For many of us, we have been raised in families, in cultures, in, in organizations where the definition of success was that next move up the ladder. For many of us, we didn't have a language or a framework beyond that. And so uh, what I'm hoping the multidimensional career framework does is it offers a language for people to start exploring those other alternatives. Welcome, beautiful people, to the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast by Emotional Intelligence Magazine. Emotional Intelligence Magazine is a one-stop resource for anyone looking to learn more about emotional intelligence. In addition to articles, videos, and recommended books to help you develop and expand your EI, Emotional Intelligence Magazine offers a platform for EI coaches and specialists so they can connect with individuals who are ready to take their life or business to the next level. Learn more by visiting ei-magazine.com. That's ei-magazine.com. Or follow us on Instagram at the underscore ei underscore magazine. You can find these links and more in today's show notes. Hi, I'm Deb Porter, and I'll be your guest for today. Today, we're going to be talking with Judy Winkle Giulioni about redefining career development. Julie is a champion for workplace growth and development and helps executives and leaders optimize talent and potential within their organizations. One of Inc. Magazine's top 100 speakers, she's the author of Promotions Are So Yesterday, Redefine Career Development, Help Employees Thrive and the co-author of the international bestseller, Help Them Grow or Watch Them Go. Career conversations, organizations need and employees want, translated into seven different languages. Julie, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Deb. So we're going to dive right in. Um, Referring to the title, why do you feel that promotions are so, so yesterday? Well, you know, we have been holding on for such a long time to really kind of limited definitions about how career development and career progression and advancement and success all operate. Um, and it's been a really kind of one and sometimes two-dimensional road, you know, up the corporate ladder in most cases. Mm-hmm. And the truth is in today's environment, those upward mobility opportunities are fewer and farther between. You know, organizations are flatter, we've de-layered, hierarchy doesn't play as key a role, um, work is getting done more organically. But the other side of it is, too, we are changing. Um, We, uh, in many cases, as employees, we want to have a different relationship with our work that isn't necessarily defined by that upward trajectory. And so while the the title of the book is a little bit cheeky and intended to to promote conversation, promotion is one uh, way to to grow, but it's just one of what I uh, lay out as eight different options and ways we can engage and express ourselves and, and grow and develop within our careers. So good. So good. And I absolutely agree with you about uh, the, the difference uh, in what employees want nowadays is really has changed. It really has. 
So what are some of the risks and challenges associated with defining careers and career development exclusively by promotions and positions? Well, for the individual, if that's how we're going to define success, we experience success just episodically, you know, over the course of our career, once every few years, if we're lucky. And so that's probably not the most, you know, engaging and sustainable way to remain satisfied and and happy in the work that we're doing. For leaders and for organizations, the the risks really boil down to what we've seen so much over the last few years is, you know, retention. Um, I guess the the risk is attrition, isn't it? Um, The risk of of losing people who define um, success in their development only in terms of those things that are in such short supply that we can't dole out enough you know, for that to to sort of move the needle for people. And so for organizations that continue to perpetuate that kind of a a linear and narrow definition of development, they're going to find themselves, um, you know, losing good talent. You're working so hard to get talent in the door and then seeing them just kind of walk out the the back door. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to really, really get deep to listen. I think Part of what you're alluding to is something that's so close and near and dear to my heart, which is that listening aspect, right? Listening to the employees to understand what they want uh, is a key component, I think, to uh, this career development that you're talking about. You have absolutely nailed it. You know, Deb, I, I frequently say that career development is a relationship between uh, an employee and an employer, Um, but it's a relationship that plays out through conversation. And the key piece of that conversation is the the listening side uh, of it. You know, leaders who are willing to really engage with people, really open up the dialogue, ask those questions, and then be present, um, be there, hold the space for people to share what's real for them. Yeah, absolutely. If they hold that space and they can really, uh, you talk in your book, uh, I, I really loved it, by the way. I'm not all the way through it, I'll admit, but I'm, I'm most of the way through it. Um, but you talk about creating a plan, right, in, in there. And really by listening, that's that's the first step to starting to starting on that, that path. Absolutely. I think it's the first step, it's the last step, and it's every step in between, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. You know, because I mean, if we're going to really support someone in growth that's meaningful and personalized to them, I mean, you gotta you gotta be listening to understand the the cues and the needs and the wants and the the under underlying motivations. But then, even once you understand that, you start to put the plan together. You know, plans don't just magically operationalize themselves and get you know from point A to point Z. I mean, it's um, frequently one step forward two steps back. And part of a a leader's role in supporting someone in advancing those plans and working toward those goals is being present and listening and and supporting those efforts that that maintain the the momentum and that help people unpack the the learnings uh, associated with some of the backsliding and challenges they might uh, encounter as well. Uh, I don't know if you'd be willing to share, but there's one nugget in the book where you talked about um, your role as a leader, as a manager, and you had an employee and you she you felt like she was ready to take the next step. And so you put the project in her lap and then let her go. And then she ended up 
exiting. Would you talk a little bit about that? I think it might really play into, especially our listeners who are really interested in that emotional intelligence. Can you can we talk about that? Yeah, well, I wasn't very emotionally intelligent, was I? Because <laughs> I blew it pretty badly, but I learned from it. So that's the, the good news. Yeah, you know, um, I think as leaders, we make just tons of assumptions and we project a lot of, you know, our values, our skills, our abilities, what we're comfortable with on those around us. And so that was sort of, I think, part of the, the case uh, in this particular situation. This was a very, very capable person. And I saw such capacity and skill in her that it was it wasn't even conceivable to me that you know she needed my help. All she needed was the the kind of latitude that my bosses had always given me to sort of figure it out and whatnot. And uh, what I didn't take into consideration was she was not me, and um, she uh, she learned better with the support of a partner and some guardrails and some of the structural pieces that. Um, you know, weren't part of my my toolkit at that point. And so in an effort to, and really, you know, well-meaning, give her the space to thrive, I realized that I gave her too much space and created um, a really stressful situation that didn't allow her to bring the best that she had to the, the party there. And, and so I lost her in the process. Let's pause for a moment. Are you tired of constantly training new employees? Frustrated with disengagement? Disappointed with distraction impacting productivity? Let Holds Business Solutions help improve your company culture and employee focus. Our educational material and listening services are designed to support your team and foster a positive work environment. Invest in your employees' success with Holds Business Solutions. Let's work together to build a more focused and dedicated workforce. Contact us today. Email info at hearingoutlifedrama.com. Again, that's info at hearingoutlydrama.com. Now, back to the show. And so the lesson really has to do, and it just it goes back to listening, doesn't it? To really have an understanding of who that other person is, where they might want to go, what they want to accomplish, but also how they want to and how they will best make progress in that direction and not to, you know, just kind of default to what I did was was lazy thinking, you know, to just paint her with the same brush that uh, I had always painted myself. Well, I honestly think it goes both ways. I think you've got yourself on the line a little bit there. She could also have used her voice, right? She could have, she could have come to you and said, Julie, I appreciate this opportunity and I just really am feeling stressed and overwhelmed and I'd like a little bit more guidance. If she had done that, there might have been entirely different outcomes. So I, I think it goes both ways. I really do. But I think that um, certainly as the one in the leadership role, it's up to us to set that tone, right? Mm-hmm. And to check in to just make sure that that uh, we're hitting that mark with them. Agreed. And your point is really well taken because the other side of it is we each do have a responsibility. You know, nobody cares about our careers as much as we do, or perhaps our moms. And <laughs> so we've got a responsibility to speak up and to ask for what we need and to not assume that a manager or a leader is all knowing, you know, managers and leaders today are so swamped. They're running fast and furious and 
you know, it's it's not for lack of care, but probably for lack of just having that moment to think about what do the people around me need. And so when an employee raises that, it's so helpful. The leader doesn't have to figure it out. It's just right there. And okay, I can do something with that information. Right, right. Um, can you tell us a little bit how you created your multidimensional career development framework? Yeah, thanks for asking. So my first book was about 11 years ago um, with Beverly Kay, and it was called Help Them Grow or Watch Them Go. And so in that book what, and in the training that I've developed since around that, I've helped leaders to embrace a new kind of conversation around development. And to help them really, um, you know, navigate some of the, the challenges associated with uh, those kinds of that kind of dialogue today. And despite some, you know, enhanced skill building, what I noticed managers were still really reluctant in many cases to engage in those career conversations because they had it in their mind that what everybody wanted was that promotion or the move or the corner office, you know, the stuff that they had in, in very short supply. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of managers just kind of wanted to avoid the conversation altogether rather than to wade into it and kind of stir the pot. Um, but at the same time, as I was working with organizations around the world, talking to individuals, when they talked about what really meant something to them around their career, when they talked about the kinds of activities they wanted to engage in and the kind of um, uh, way they wanted to express themselves, there was so much more to work with than just that promotion. And so it was this disconnect. And I just really felt like I needed to get to the bottom of it. So I put together the multidimensional career framework out of all those conversations. The themes sort of started to bucket themselves into categories. And uh, so I developed the seven dimensions in addition to that climb up the corporate ladder as, as one way we express ourselves and grow and engage. And so I felt pretty confident that that was a, a solid model just because of all of the, the field research that had gone into it. But I thought before I wrote the book, I should probably do some research and just see relatively, you know, what's the interest among these things with employees. And so as I started to write the book, um, we did a research study with uh, about 800 people. And since that time, we've got about 6,000 data points. And the message from all of this data is just mind-blowingly consistent. I mean, I remember when I first looked at the data that came back, I was like one of those cartoon characters, kind of like rubbing my eyes and looking at something kind of in awe. I just, I, I couldn't believe it. What our research finds is that all of the alternate dimensions in aggregate across age, gender, level, and industry. All of the other seven dimensions are actually more interesting to people than that climb up the corporate ladder. Contribution, competence, connection, confidence, challenge, contentment, choice. People are more interested in all of those than the climb up the ladder. So it became just a really um, helpful, hopeful message for managers everywhere that you don't have to be afraid to have those conversations because you actually have a whole lot um, in your, you know, at your disposal to be able to create the satisfaction and the growth people are looking for. 
if you ask the question and you're open to the answer, absolutely. And listen to the response that comes back. Yeah, it's all there, isn't it? Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's a beautiful thing. Really, really is. I love that you did so much research to go into the book. I really appreciated that as I was reading through. The chapter on confidence really struck me as it's something that I'm working on developing in my own life right now. I feel like that's, uh, especially for those um, people interested in emotional intelligence, I think confidence is one of those <laughs> that's um, towards on the upper end, but it's uh, it moves along, right? It, it, we As we grow, it grows. And so um, I, I really appreciated how you approached that in the book. And I wanted to share that with you because it was really poignant to me. So thank you for that. And I hope our listeners will get your book and read that chapter specifically in in mind because it's, it's really good. <laughs> thank you, Deb. I really appreciate it. You know, uh, as parents, we're not supposed to have, you know, favorite children and authors shouldn't probably have favorite chapters. But I have to say that one speaks to me as well. I mean, that really came from the heart because it's one of those areas I've struggled with. I was just doing a keynote last week with a group of emergency professionals. And in talking with them, we were talking about this content area. And one woman was willing to share that her top interest right now was confidence. And that she was, as a result of various and sundry things, really feeling a dip in her confidence and could feel that it had um, rippling impacts on all dimensions of her job, her leadership, her home. I think we we underestimate the the role that that confidence plays. So anyway, I, I was just, and she said, and I feel like an imposter. You know, I'm always just running fast and furious just to stay ahead of being found out. Mm-hmm. And so I just said, you know, hey, I just you know I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but raise your hand if you felt that way anytime recently. And I don't think there was an immobile hand in the group of 300 people. Right. It's it's such a human, such a universal human condition that we share. Yeah. Yeah, So relatable. So, so relatable. It's, we're, we're all trying to feel like we're making, we want to make an impact. We, we want to do the right thing, but that insecurity can really undermine that sense of confidence, I think. And it, it's when I think we approach it with intention that we can really shift the needle on that and move forward in a positive way so that we're not dragging that around every step forward we're trying to take. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's like a weight around your ankle, isn't it? Right. And I think the other thing, I think intention is a big piece of it, but I also think authenticity and transparency mm-hmm. is key too. Because when we start talking about it and we realize that we are not alone in the sensation that others have it, when leaders tell their own stories, yes. it makes it so much safer for individuals to, you know, to come clean and, and, and put it out there and get the support that they need to move past and through and grow, grow with the confidence. Yeah, because life's messy. It simply is. Life Life is messy. And uh, we are on a growth journey our whole life. Absolutely. How can employees really grow beyond climbing the corporate ladder in your view? Yeah, yeah. So self-awareness, I think, is really, and, and it kind of speaks to the theme that you're um, weaving through here around emotional intelligence. Self-awareness is key. For many of us, we have been raised, you know, in families, in cultures, in, in organizations, where the definition of success was that next move up the ladder. And for many of us, we didn't have 
a language or a framework beyond that. And so uh, what I'm hoping the multidimensional career framework does is, is it offers a language um, for people to start exploring those other alternatives. And so self-awareness is, is key, really getting at what's motivating you, what's really interesting to you right now. How do you want to grow? What do you want to do um, is key. And then having those conversations with one's manager or supervisor, as I, I mentioned before, managers are, are just so busy. You know, there was a time when managers, all they did was manage people. I don't know a manager in the workplace who doesn't have a portfolio of work they've got to get out. And oh, by the way, a staff, they've got to manage and grow and incent and you know, all the rest of it. It's it's an enormous responsibility. And so yes. for employees to take that kind of ownership, take the initiative to engage in those conversations and say, hey, you know, I am feeling like this is really the period in my career where contribution is important. I want to step up. I want to make a difference. And I want to keep growing in the process of doing that. And man, I mean, somebody comes to you with that kind of a value proposition. I want to do more. I want to grow. I mean, what manager, what organization is going to say, no, no, thank you. Well, we'd like to, you know, just kind of keep you in a corner somewhere. Oh my goodness, that's such an interesting uh, idea. I have to say, I saw that happen at, at a place I worked where managers were not open to that. And as a result, they lost those employees exactly where we were kind of starting at the beginning. If you're not listening to your employees when they come to you and say this kind of thing, they really are going to exit out the back door. Just like you said, we need to be the kind of employers and the kind of managers that are ready and open to to receive that message and give it legs, give it an opportunity to, to live its life and to empower and to support that vision that the employee comes with. So important. <laughs> well, and you know, a skillful manager will recognize that there is so much opportunity. You know, I think of it as almost Easter eggs hidden throughout the workplace. <laughs> nice. So many opportunities, real work that needs to get done, you know, projects, initiatives, whatever it might be, that can be like a hand in glove sort of relationship with what people are wanting to do. You know, when someone comes and says, at that point in my career, I really want to contribute more. I want to step up. I want to, to really have a significant impact on our customer. There are probably 18 projects on that manager's list, things that need to happen to support greater customer outcomes. And so to be able to start looking at how can we how can we use the work that needs to get done for the development and the engagement that people want to experience? It becomes a really powerful, you know, kind of win-win proposition. I loved in the book too, uh, along with that, you talked about um, those who are preparing to retire, those who've been with the company a long time who might then be ready to exit. And I sincerely appreciated in the book how you address that component as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a, um, you know, kind of the idea of, of planning your your legacy. You know, I know for myself, you know, in our own family, my husband is moving toward retirement age. And so, you know, when annual conversations about career come around, he's not thinking about his next step or whatever. 
what he wants to think about is what difference can he leave? You know, what steps can he be taking today that um, systematize, you know, his processes or or somehow capture his knowledge or how can he mentor other people so that he's passing off methodologies and that sort of thing. And so as we get to that point in our careers, we still have so much to give and right. so much to get, you know, too. It's a, it's not just the selfish one-way thing, you know, in the process of doing that, there's great satisfaction and skill building and, and whatnot. So the opportunity for leaders isn't to look at those of us with gray hair and, you know, decide, okay, well, they'll be out of here soon enough, but to really figure out how can we actively you know, tap what they have to offer and also offer, you know, something uh, in exchange in terms of that level of engagement and satisfaction. I think especially with those people with a growth mindset who have who have aged, as soon as you start combining the the, the knowledge base that they have with um, the, the younger view and you allow, both of them allow the sparks to happen, right? And <laughs> that can really be an amazing thing instead of it's like rigid. It's always been done this way and we have to stay with this. And this is the only way we can do it that, um, but rather having that emotional intelligence to say, I see you and I see what you're bringing and it makes me alive. And I can see how we might be able to add that to it. I just think that's so beautiful. Yes. And you know, that sparks for me uh, another thought too around like cross-generational work that might happen like that. You know, so frequently in the past, we thought about mentoring as sort of the one way the wisdom of the sage gets passed down through the ages. Um, But really smart mentoring is reciprocal. And just like you're saying, you know, both sides have so much to offer, so much wisdom and experience and insight that with, you know, that kind of curiosity that we bring, there's tremendous um, value for both sides of the mentoring equation. I think it really moves beyond like competition and more into collaboration. Mm-hmm. Right. Isn't I instead of because if you think about promotions, it's it's very corporate and I'm I'm the. Have you ever read the book Hope for the Flowers? Are you familiar with that? It's yes, an ancient oh it's an ancient book. My goodness, I haven't thought about that for years. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. Okay, t- remind me though, because I, I know the yellow cover, I can see it yeah. in my mind. Yeah, and so um it's it's about um this caterpillar I think it's a caterpillar, right? And that he's climbing above all on top of all the other caterpillars to get to the top. And he just keeps climbing, 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 and then he gets to the top. And there's nothing there. And then he decides that he's going to climb down. And he whispers to the other caterpillars who are trying to climb up, there's nothing up there. There's nothing there. And they get all, um, <laughs> they're, they're like, oh, he's not telling the truth. He's lying. Of course, there's got to be something up there. Or everybody wouldn't be wanting to go, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness, Deb. I haven't thought about that for ages. And now reflecting, thank you so much for reminding me, because I've got to say that was in the back of my mind. And it must have informed some of my thinking around this. Yeah, I definitely saw it when I was reading the book. I was like, oh, yeah, because it's and I love the fact that it's expansive, right? So it seems to me it's been I don't even know where my copy of the book is. At one time I owned a copy, but um, the way the I I seem to remember the caterpillar spreading out at the end. I'll have to see if that's actually the truth or if that's what my mind wanted to do with the book. I think I've got two copies. I'm sending you my extra copy. (laughs) And, you know, the only thing that I 
the the caveat or the you know parenthetical um, phrase that I think we should add to it is there's nothing up there for everyone, right? You know, there is something up there for some people, and that is exactly what they aspire to and what's going to give them meaning and whatnot. But it's not for all of us. Yeah, it just isn't. And how many of us just mindlessly? Right. Kept marching forward, climbing over the other caterpillars mm-hmm. um, in that that way up. And so, you know, hopefully we've got some some alternatives here, some different and more expansive way of thinking about, you know, what really makes me feel alive? Where do I have energy um, and where do I want to put the energy in service of my engagement and growth? So I feel like we answered the question, won't people still want the climb? I feel like we just took care of that one really, really well. Yeah, and, and they will. And I mean, you know, let's be honest, there are some um, extrinsic motivators associated with the climb, right? Sure. I mean, you know, whether it's additional influence or power or money or, you know, that office on the perimeter of the building, um, mm-hmm. there are some motivators that can cause us to not exactly be on track with, you know, kind of our, our soul print around our, our work. Uh, and organizations, it's interesting. So many of the organizations I'm working with right now are really looking at compensation. You know, how do we make that not be an unnatural motivator that causes someone who otherwise wouldn't have any interest in management to move in that way? And how can we build systems of inclusion that allow more people to have a seat at the table? So you don't have to be at a certain level in order to have your voice heard or something of that nature. So I know, you know, organizations are really grappling with that right now. And managers are getting increasingly savvy about how to take some of those issues sort of offline and out of the promotional conversation. For instance, I was talking to to one person recently who was able to adjust a schedule for a worker, get creative around scheduling so that the worker had more time to be able to pursue a side gig that supplemented his income. So this, this leader couldn't give more money he could give flexibility that enabled more money or flexibility that changed a childcare um, need uh, so that expenses were less. And so it wasn't more money, but essentially more take home. So, you know, leaders, I think are, we've gotten so creative around where we work, the how and the when just uh, sort of follows. I think a lot of leaders are pushing the envelope and really exploring how they can better meet the needs of of folks, even if the motivation is some of those things tied to the promotion that might not be available. Absolutely. And how exciting is that? Because as we started the conversation, we said it's not just all about the promotion. People people want to feel like they're whole and they're bringing them, they're, they're becoming the best self that they possibly can be. It's not just, it's not just all about the money anymore. I really see that being ignited and I'm so excited about it because um, not that money's not good. It is. It's, you know, I think all of us, but what can we be satisfied to to live with? What do we, what do we need? What brings us joy? What brings us, not that there can't be abundance, but what does it mean to have abundance and what does it mean to have abundance in all areas? Well said. Well said. And I think the last few years have helped us, many of us, to redefine what abundance is and what the elements of that are. And it's not just the monolithic, you know, bank account balance. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, that was a fast 30 minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Julie, mm-hmm. so much. <laughs> oh, 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 so, so good. Uh, thank you so much for being willing to be here and have this conversation with me. I hope it brought some sparks uh, into our listeners and some joyous thoughts in, as they consider their own journey. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Deb.